But then nothing it changes. I don't know. So um, we're back, and um, we're going to talk about attachment theory. So attachment theory um, obviously is important because we're talking about, you know, so we figured out that what we're really focused on is um, complex trauma, and that's about relationship, that there's relationship there, there's a context, um, and so interacting with other people, attachment theory becomes rather important. And this idea that um, one of our earliest experiences with other humans is important and what messages we get from that. So um, often attachment theory, you know, talking about cultural milieus and sexism and things, there, it, people immediately go to mothers and um, you know, we don't want to do that. This is any caregiver at all. And um, so here at Ainsworth was someone who was in kind of early attachment theory person. And um, is, you know, saying how important it is for children to have this basic amount of safety so that they can explore their world. So um, they can, you know, have agency and feel as though they can, um, you know, be, you know, be self, you know, kind of find their own way in the world. And that that's really what's so important about attachment. And that attachment, it, we're not talking about a caregiver being, you know, attending to the child all the time. And in fact, just the opposite, really giving the child the framework of safety and the latitude to explore their world. Um, so safety is, um, this is, you'll see Porges down here again, so Holly Bacon, Mary, Stephen Porges, um, is uh, um, a really important framework, and yes, up at top, that's a dog pooping. Um, <laughs> Feeling safe. Yeah, but yeah, because this safe immobilization, so I don't know if yeah. you have dogs. Yeah, and yeah, when I first started, yes, when I first started, I was like, oh, that's that is because um, yeah, I have a couple dogs and one is really into like gotta go out in the woods somewhere and then the other one plays yeah does yeah. that you know like are you watching me because it's a very vulnerable thing to be immobilized um, and um, unless you know that you're, that you're safe and so this is true of being you know with another person and immobile as well um, <coughs> but safety it's not only about safety um, but this, these very important things can happen physiologically if you're feeling safe enough. Because so if there's like a pie chart of um, you know defense and safety, you know the more defense, more energy you're putting into feeling like you have to defend yourself, the less safe you're going to feel. And that less safety, the this piece of the pie chart, that safety, is also what encourages res restoration in your body. And um, so, you know, it optimizes function by turning off the defense and increasing social behavior. So also this ability to connect with other people um, and, you know, to do this ventral vagal um, connection. And this is what actually supports our growth. <laughs> 
So safety is incredibly important. Um, it's not the same thing as removing threat. So in order to be truly safe, and, you know, um, if you've grown up in a situation in which you're constantly having to look around because you're pretty sure you're not safe, and you've learned that you're not safe, and maybe you're actually not safe, then um, whether or not you know, you're going to get attacked at that moment, you're not going to have this sense of being able to turn off this defense mechanism, which is what's going to allow communication, social bonds, and um, physiological kind of restoration. So um, safety is a, a big thing. Um, and when we have these things, then um, we can have this basic sense of safety in the world, an understanding of others as responsive and trustworthy, and an understanding of the self as worthy of care, which is a big deal. So how we might feel like we can actually take care of ourselves or seek out what is good for us. And then last but not least is neuroscience. So of the three things that TCTSY is built on is trauma theory, attachment theory, and neuroscience. And um, so, um, you know, I mentioned this before, we are in this kind of brain-centric moment, and our world of psychology has kind of, you know, flipped this a little bit and made it seem as though, you know, it's our brain that matters and our body comes secondary, but actually, you know, our brain is there in order to move our body, and, um, and we want to see all of us um, connected and to be acknowledging how those connections are important. Um, so Broca's area is the language center. And um, what we know about Broca's area is that it's one of those places that sort of shuts down in trauma. And that, in fact, in brain imaging, um, they'll, they can see that the closer that someone gets to the trauma in the trauma narrative, so the brain scan studies are um, the ones that I know of, I know the ones at the trauma center, they have the person actually um, tell their trauma narrative, and um, it's written down, and then when someone's having the brain scan, it gets read back to them. And um, what they see is that people are actually re-experiencing the trauma when they're doing those brain scans. So the parts, you know, the sensory parts of their brains are lighting up, um, which you talked to about before, and some of these other places are less active, like the prefrontal cortex, because you don't really need that in trauma so much, and this Broca's area, the language center. Um, and the closer that people get to that, you know, what the actual heart of the trauma in those brain scans, the less activity there is in Broca's area, so this language center, which is why people say, you know, it was, it's unspeakable. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, there are no words for it, because people really can't access language. Um, the thing is that in somatic kind of therapeutic interventions where we want to be working with people's bodies, we can still work with language to get in there. Um, it's just that we're not saying this, you know, therapy is about telling the actual narrative of what happens because that's often not even possible. And one of the reasons that um, sometimes, you know, talk therapy can be so tricky with trauma. 
So in neuroscience, the key concept for us in TCTSY is this idea of interoception. So um, do people, I, I didn't know what interoception, I didn't know any of this, um, but proprioception, do people know about, because I didn't know what proprioception was until I sprained my ankle and went to um, a physical therapist and I had to know about proprioception. Um, so yeah, this relationship of ourselves to our environment and proprioception, so you're getting the kind of the senses back in your nerve endings when you're doing physical therapy. And then there's exteroception, so things from outside of your body coming to you, so the things maybe that you hear or smell. And then interoception is what you're actually sensing within the body. And um, so interoception is, you know, do I, can I feel my muscle stretch? Um, is my stomach grumbling? Can I feel my heartbeat? Those, that's interoception. That sensation, that sense of what's happening inside. Um, so this um, idea that we can feel something and then have it reach some sort of awareness, and it doesn't have to be like I'm necessarily aware of what's happening, but um, that there, we're in a physical body and that somehow we're getting information that allows us to make choices for ourselves. So um, I feel my stomach grumble, and then I in some way know that that means that I'm hungry. I don't even necessarily know the word, you know, a little kid might, you know, a child who's preverbal might know that without knowing the word for hunger or knowing how to ask for food. Um, and then, as we, you know, there's also these metabolic messages, like we all just went up and had lunch and there are the different signs for the different kinds of sandwiches and somehow we knew which one of those sandwiches we wanted. There's something, there are metabolic messages that we're getting about, oh, you know, turkey would probably be good for me today. I could use this, that kind of protein or whatever it is. Um, so these are the, you know, interoception. And is this a sort of a big deal when you start to think about it? because it's sort of everything that we depend on in life. Like, it's, you know, how do I know I'm having fun? How do I know I feel calm now? How do I know that this is a good job for me? How do I know I want to, you know, go swimming? Anything. How do I know I want to move my body? So, you know, when you think about how far this can extend these internal messages and making choices, you can start to see that it's pretty important, and this is something that is shut down in trauma. <coughs> so we mentioned the insular cortex before, which is a very important region for interoception because the messages are coming through here and then going to our prefrontal cortex and telling us, like, oh, you can make decisions about this. So it's sort of the region that's saying, um, you know, is this something I should be paying attention to, or is this no big deal? So, um, is my hand on this table right now, or is my hand on a hot stove? And if it's on a hot stove, I should obviously be moving it. Um, this is what our insular cortex does, and again, it's a place that's compromised in trauma. 
And again, something that completely makes sense. If you're, if what you're getting all the time from your world is, you know, everything coming at you is going to be harmful anyway, you know, why bother really be making this distinction? So you start to put your resources in other places. Um, and the um, unfeelable and unpredictable body that lacking interoception creates is really kind of what we're talking about when we talk about complex trauma. Any thoughts about that? That's just a tragic statement. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable to think about. And um, this is what trauma-centered, trauma-sensitive yoga is really after. And they're kind of saying, yeah, is it possible that we can exercise certain parts of our brain and um, get some results of it? So they tried. And they've been getting some success pretty amazingly. Um, so this is from one of the studies where they actually you know, did some scans afterwards, looking specifically at the insula, um, and also the right thalamus. And um, the right thalamus, I think, is um, sleep. Oh, more sensory information. Does anyone know more about the brain than I do? Okay, I actually wrote some of this down. Um, yeah, regulation, sleep alertness, um, motor control, sensory awareness. So these places that um, you know really are not strengthened or are weakened through trauma. And then the right dorsal medial prefrontal cortex is yeah. this kind of place that checks out in um, dissociation. So this is really the sense of me. Um, and so we're also trying to strengthen these parts of our brain and they're getting some pretty interesting responses from that. So when we're talking about complex trauma, which is what TCTSY is really looking at, and when the trauma center says trauma, what they're really talking about, you, know, you can see we need these three things together. So obviously trauma theory, <coughs> attachment theory, because it's interpersonal, and their power dynamics. And neuroscience is able to um, help us to understand you know, what's going on here, and also what might we be going after in order to work with um, our neurobiology to help um, complex trauma survivors. And so we're at TCTSY. Um, do you want to do a little practice, or should we? Yeah, we're ready. Should we stand up because it's after one? <coughs> so if you like, <laughs> only. Um, and truly feel into it if you want to stand up because you may not want to, and that is also okay. So we want to see how we feel. And again, if you like, you can have shoes on or off. Or easy shoes off. Shoes. I get such a postprandial chill, so it's really good. Too. Wow. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Um, and if you'd like, when you're ready, maybe notice feet on the ground or feet in your shoes. You might experiment with rocking forward and backward a little bit, possibly side to side is another option. You 
can make little circles. And you might notice the sensation um, in your feet and maybe your ankles and your legs shifts as you move. You might want to experiment if you're doing circles going the other direction. There are options here, and it's if you ever want to move more quickly or more slowly, then that's your choice. So just noticing what makes sense for you. And then if you like, you could start to make smaller and smaller circles till you come to a place that feels right on top of your feet. like when you're ready you can start to extend the spine maybe again taking this flat part of the top of your head sometimes called the crown sort of up to the ceiling you might sense a lengthening in your spine if your shoes are off in particular and if you want to experiment with this you could Bring your toes up off the ground a little bit. You might spread them out. You might let them grasp the ground or leave them loose. And then, like you could try a couple of what sometimes are called sun breaths. So just breathing your arms up over your head. up there, you could exhale them down. You could do this two or three times more at your own pace with your own breath. And your hands can come as far up as you'd like or not come up at all. You can always have the option of having your eyes opened or closed. Completely your own choice, your own pace. What makes sense for you. your body, you might feel the bottom of your feet again, might feel some length in your spine, notice your breath coming in and out. Even thank yourself briefly for your little commitment to yourself, body and mind. When you're ready, you can take a seat if you'd like, and also feel free to continue to stand and move as you like. So, um, where the trauma center is right now in terms of methodology. What we know is um, in complex trauma, people get very good because it's a very adaptive thing at dissociating. So at leaving their minds or leaving their bodies because it doesn't feel very good in there. Um, so everything that we do in terms of language is um, trying to keep people as focused and in their bodies as possible. Um, and as, as comfortable and workable for them. 
So we tend to be very concrete, repetitive, um, and visceral. So a little of the practice that we've done has been pretty much trauma-sensitive yoga. Um, and you might notice you know, some of these things already that there's just a lot of repetition. Um, we're not asking someone to ever be doing something that isn't actually already in their body. So um, while we might be grounding, um, we're not saying, oh, you can imagine roots coming out of the bottom of your feet, which in another yoga class I could very well um, say because I sort of like to do that in a yoga class. But once we start getting into that kind of grounding, then you're starting to create a story that's beyond the visceral experience. So this is about actually what someone is experiencing in their bodies at that time and not some other imagined um, thing that we could be doing with our bodies or that our bodies, how other ways that our bodies might relate to the world. Um, we're always, you know, clearly trying to direct attention and inviting mindful moving, um, but in a way that is really encouraging people to move in the ways that they want to move and starting to pay attention to <clears throat> sensing that um, in whatever ways they you know is accessible to them. Two really basic types of language um, are interoception and um, in invitatory language. So we'll talk about invitational language. It's easier for me to say than invitatory. Um, and this is every cue is preceded by an invitation. So if you'd like, you know, when you're ready, it's your choice. So we're always encouraging people to tune into what makes sense for them. So never you know, just doing it because that's what the teacher is sort of saying you should do or what the teacher is doing. Um, and um, for those of us who, you know, I think David's story at the beginning was perfect, um, where it can be very hard to be in some other yoga classes and not feel like, oh, I'm supposed to just be like following along or doing whatever the teacher's doing. And even in classes where um, the message is very much, no, we want you to know, listen to your body. This is not, you're not trying to look like I look, and you're not trying to do it the way that I'm doing it. Um, it's difficult to be a student. I mean, my personal experience is it's very difficult to be in a class and not feel some sort of pressure or and you're also in this community where people are moving together and there's something really lovely about moving together with a group of people and so then the next thing you know you're like ah you know and and to remain connected to yourself while doing that um is doesn't work for a lot of us and um and so <clears throat> we're always just in a um as a conversational way as possible trying to remind people that that's actually what we're doing here is we're not trying to all do the same thing and in fact you know to me the the best thing that I can see 
in a TCTSY class that I'm leading is that everyone's doing something completely different because obviously everyone here doesn't want to be doing exactly the same thing if they're really paying attention to their unique body and their unique, you know, unique metabolism at that point in the day and everything else. Um, and so we, you know, how can we constantly be reminding, you know, reminding people that this is what's really important is really tuning in, listening to that inner voice if you hear it. And also if you don't hear it, that's okay too. You know, sometimes we don't feel anything, and that's normal as well. But also, I'm 80, and there's some things I can do and some things I can't do. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's true of everyone. And I mean, you can be in any class, I mean, you can be with a bunch of 20 year olds. And, you know, people, just the way people's bone structure is, some people, you know, there's single downward dog, and people's shoulders just, they work differently. My sunshine wasn't as bright as some of yours. <laughs> <laughs> A good example is during my training, a really powerful story. They brought in um, this uh, veteran of the Iraq War and Afghanistan War, completely shut down at one point with PTSD. And he told this story about somehow they talked him into going to this yoga class. And he said the best thing, I, I didn't really want to be there. I didn't want to do this. I didn't like what was happening. So the best thing the teacher did was she just let me sleep on my mat for like the first four or five classes. He just kept coming back and sleeping on the mat. And then at one point he started doing it and now he's trained and he teaches at his best. Mm -hmm. Nice. That was, yeah. that was a really, yeah. And the power of safety too, I hear that coming through like, yeah, yeah, yeah. to feel safe enough to do that. With one of the first classes, if not the first class I ever taught, it wasn't in TCTSY, it was, um, a woman that I know quite well came in and she got into child's pose, which is sort of, you know, you're curled up in ball, and stayed in child's pose for the entire class. And um, yeah, which, and she afterwards was just like, that was the best yoga class that I've ever been to. <laughs> and, um, yeah, don't give up. Find a, find a gentle yoga class. Yeah, no flow yoga for you. And one of the things, interestingly, that I was challenging about that was to, is how the other students felt. You know, we have it, did mm -hmm. they have to take care of her? So I, well, you know, And I should say, this was a trauma-sensitive yoga class. Yeah. Had he been in some other class, he might have gotten, you know, you're not, why aren't you doing what we're doing? And yeah. the language is very different. Like, you're talking about invitive language instead of really directive language. Like, do this, do that. And the nuances of like, like you didn't say, you said it, um, the crown of your head, maybe if you're ready, towards the ceiling. You didn't say, imagine someone grabbing your hair and pulling it towards the ceiling. That could be triggering. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or um, someone gave the example of happy baby pose. For some, that's not a happy baby, yeah. that's a baby <clears throat> not to be abused. You yeah. Know, and it can be really triggering. So the language is really, um, in yoga in general, is like littered with, you know, True. problems. Yeah. You know, if, you're and, not, if you're not mindful yeah. and, and careful with as it. As well as the positions that people are yeah. in themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very difficult. Yeah, in my regular yoga training, I mean, we got it really sort of drilled into us. You know, that's, yeah, put your right foot up to, you know, the here. And you know, in the interest of simplifying instruction, 
um, you know, in a very well-meaning way because you want people to be paying attention to other things as well. But, you know, as with, um, you know, Judith Herman was saying, when we start telling people what to do, you know, what are we doing? We're replicating people's interpersonal trauma. And in particular, um, with, you know, this interpersonal trauma where um, perpetrators are very specifically saying one thing and <coughs> acting in a different way. Mm -hmm. Right? So, I love you, I care about you more than anyone else in the world, you know, et cetera, and then hurting them. Mm -hmm. And um, so being very clear, invitational in them, they're in control of themselves, and we are not in any way, shape, or form trying to control what it is that they're doing. And then you put them in the hospital where there's not a whole lot of control over anything and rushed sort of procedures, teams coming in and just whipping down the blankets to check a wound. I mean, there's a lot of triggers that happen daily and we never know who has trauma. So, I mean, there was a really good uh, workshop here not too long ago about uh, a woman telling her experience. Even the, the attending coming into the room pulling off his coat and hanging it on the door and then walks towards her bed, you know? Like, somewhere in our training as nurses and any kind of clinician, it's like always ask permission, explain the heck out of what you need to do and ask permission and all that, but it seems to go out the window when we're rushed to discharge people and tasks. And if we just treat everybody like they may have trauma, I think we'd be better off. And then there's childbirth. Yeah, <laughs> right. Other area. Yeah. In terms of people with trauma or in general? Vulnerability, yeah. you know, loss of autonomy the minute you walk in the institutional yeah. doors. Um, <clears throat> so, some things have to happen, have to happen fast. Yeah. Um, you know, sexual trauma is connected to the actual, you know, there's a connection between the sexual trauma and event of the birth and it's very broad yeah <clears throat> that was the, the takeaway was like if we get if we could treat everyone like yeah. they have trauma because they probably mm -hmm. do of some sort and yeah. then we maybe err on the side of mm -hmm. getting it right i don't know it's easier said than done but. yeah yeah i was interested in your possessive pronouns please you're talking about your foot or your top of your head yeah one of the things I like about the, my experience in yoga is how um, the pronouns are take the foot, take the knee, take the front of the hip. Not always, mm -hmm. but I, <clears throat> and I can see both sides of it. I liked, I liked being, learning how to objectify my body and see it as a tool because ultimately we, we aren't our bodies. You know? We're something much more ineffable. And you know, I've, obviously, I've studied yoga philosophy in order to be able to make a statement like that. But um, but it would be very necessary to use the possessive pronoun in this yeah. case. Yeah, I'm so happy that, that I did it and that you caught it because I know sometimes I slip back into the, I would have a problem and with both, um, yeah. and I know our we you know you have teaching assistants who watch films of you teaching and. Everyone's laughing and say, oh, you saw you slip back there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because it becomes very, you know, kind of instinctual to say the. But yeah, and here you can see how important it is that it's your body. You're, you're making a choice about what it's you're sensing mm -hmm. for yourself. Mm -hmm. 
and you know we don't want to remove ourselves from our body more in this practice. Um, so, oh, the other thing that I didn't mention is you'll notice that the um, term that they're using is forms, not postures or asana, um, which is a Sanskrit word that is used for postures usually in yoga, the um, English is posture. And um, the trauma center made a decision that they were going to use different language. And this was what they came up with. Um, so, yeah, calling all the postures forms. And I think partially because it's um, it's not about, you know, having good posture. Because one of the other things that we are staying away from is any kind of language that has value associated with it. So it's not... Um, you know, a good way of doing it or a bad way of doing it. And it's not even about feeling good or not, which is difficult for me because one of the things that I love about yoga and teaching yoga is I want people to feel good. Um, but that's just, this is about feeling, not feeling a certain way. So however you're feeling is the right way to feel. And really building that, that muscle kind of back in. Of acknowledging that and I think um, that has been a very freeing thing for me in my practice that I, I'm no longer looking to feel a certain way but that really paying attention to what's real is what is most important do you find that there's ever any confusion about what's meant by the term form um, as opposed to I, pose or I, I just think it's not a word it's part of our common day, yeah. common lexicon, and I wonder, I mean, maybe you haven't experienced that. Maybe people yeah. seem to get it. Yeah, and I think I don't use, I don't find myself using, you know, you don't really say posture, pose, or form in a class that you much don't. anyway. You, you manage think to. think about it. Yeah. Um, so you'd say feel free to, you, you just phrase it differently. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about how you might, and this is part of my yoga training too. I, I know sometimes in particular in vinyasa classes, I've noticed, um, and I think more, the more that yoga has become popular, it's like, okay, get into downward dog now, you know, and I've never taught yoga that way. It's like, oh no, you would cue someone on how they were going to do that, never assuming that someone knows what downward dog is, um, never mind what the Sanskrit is. So that might be part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I'll also say in um, the classes at WISE, there is, has been quite a lot of freedom to talk if someone wants to. So people will just kind of be like, oh, you know, I don't know, something just happened. Or it's like, oh, okay. You know, um, so that's become part of classes. I don't know if it will be in all of the classes. Um, and that's been fun to share with other um, teachers who are teaching, you know, is that coming up for you or not? We teach it as, a, so far we've done it as a group, so it's been a closed group, um, and we have people sign up, and we everyone introduces themselves at the beginning, and then we even have a little bit of time to process at the end, um, so that not to process something traumatic, but just what's it like to do the practice? And you can, hang, you know, it's really just like have some tea, and if you want to hang around, you can do that kind of thing. 
And how long are the classes? And like, is that built into the class time or no? Yeah, it yeah. is built into the class time. Is it like an hour and a half? An hour and a half, half. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I haven't been doing this for as much, but you know, at any time, you know, we're always telling people, you know, they can do something completely different, and or they can come out of it, or you know, if you're doing something on one side, you can do it on the other side or not. So also not this kind of prescription for, oh, you know, if you do one side, you have to do the other, um, and really just sensing into what makes sense for them. Um, so we're, we're trying to address this power dynamic um, that Judith Herman talked about through the language and also wanting to be really clear that we're sharing, we know as teachers in front of the room, we are in a position of power. Um, no matter what we do, we are. And so we want to acknowledge that and, um, and equalize the power as much as possible. So um, another thing is we stay in our mats and we let the um, class know at the beginning that we're not going to be moving from our mats, so you don't have to worry about us walking around and, you know, I might be standing behind you when you're bent over or whatever, that's not going to happen, I'm going to be right here, so whenever you look up, you can, you'll see, you know, if you look in my direction, this is where I'm going to be. Um, so, yeah, we want to be just honest that we know that you know, even though I don't feel like I want to have power view, that this is, you know, the nature of the beast that we have power as teachers. So we don't want to be the scary kitty. Instead, we want to kind of share power. <laughs> Pass the ball, mate. <laughs> um, and using interoceptive language. So um, actually talking about what someone might feel. They also might not feel it. And usually this doesn't happen at the very beginning. I started to say it right away um, here today, but in our regular classes, um, we'll start to move and be into our class on 10 minutes or something, 15 minutes, you know, um, until we'll start to actually talk about, oh, you might feel something in the side of your neck you might feel this, you might feel that, you might not. Um, so to so it's not like you know you walk in the door and right away we're expecting you to you know come from your busy day into you know feeling your body. Um, but you know let's kind of get used to being in the space and then more and more um, start to actually build that in with language. People may be doing it anyway, um, but not cueing it right right off the bat. Um, so, you know, language that might be, you know, you could notice, you might focus on, you could be curious about something, you might feel something. Um, this could be something of interest to you, you could experiment with. Um, all of those are language cues for interoception. Um, you know, the key phrase, if, if you're, you know, if you're choosing to, um, you know, have your head over to one side, you may feel something on the side of your neck. Um, we're also trying to, um, in keeping with working with complex trauma, have a shared authentic experience. So I'm on my mat and I'm doing the forms. Um, so in some yoga classes, 
there'll be a teacher who sometimes is walking around mm -hmm. the class um, and giving you know, instruction, and sometimes it will be someone in the front who's not doing the actual postures. And in TCTSY, the teacher does the forms with um, the class as a way to actually share that experience. So we're not having the exact same experience, of course. What I'm feeling in my body is different, and we may be, in fact, doing something completely different. Um, but we're doing it together. And so this, I'm doing it, and you know, you could be doing it as well. Interestingly, the trauma center started out by thinking that um, physical assists, and in yoga, physical assists are when someone actually comes over and touches your body to help um, in doing some sort of posture. And um, they thought, you know, this is gonna be great for people who have had um, issues with being touched and with trusting other people because, you know, in the safe environment to be able to accept that kind of touch from someone in this kind of caring way is gonna be very therapeutic. Um, but that was not the feedback that they got in any way, shape, or form from their participants. What they heard from participants was, you know, one, of course, it's scary um, for someone when I don't know they're going to come over and touch me. Um, but also that this message that, you know, you're in charge of your body and you know what it needs, you know, you are making your own choices, and then someone comes over and says, oh, this is actually how you do, you know, triangle pose um, or form, then you're, it's, a, a, it's completely contradictory to that message that, you know, you know what's best for you and that you have agency. Um, so, in fact, you're saying, well, you know, maybe you think you do, but I can show you how to do it better. And, um, and so, you know, they're not saying, you know, no one should ever do it. Because, you know, I know I've been in yoga classes where someone gives me a physical assist and it's, you know, lovely and really is eye-opening in terms of kind of like, oh, that's what that can feel like. Um, but in terms of, you know, doing this particular practice, it became very clear to them that it was not helpful at all. And so they have come on to, you know, down on saying just there should be no physical assist, which also makes it easy in terms of staying on your mat and knowing that there's that kind of safety in the room that no one's going to be coming around and touching you when you don't want to be touched. And I also, in terms of the choice, think that this is really interesting because I've been in lots of yoga classes where people have you know, tried all sorts of different ways to be very clear that it's your choice about whether you get a physical assist so there's you know, flipping something over on the front of your mat or you know, putting a card or you raise your hand and everyone's eyes are closed or there are a lot of different tools that people use. And for for somebody saying yes, I like yeah, assist or no, I don't want assist. Yeah, okay. in a non TCT SY class, and I I know I myself have found it very challenging to not consent to you know a physical assist, even at times when I've been in a class with one teacher who I was like, I definitely never want an assist from that person again, but I didn't really feel like I could say no. Mm -hmm. 
um, despite all of these great tools being used. I think this is another thing that they were finding was how very difficult it really is to be honest when you're in a class setting. Mm -hmm. Is the configuration like a single row of mats in the back of the room? It seems like that would be the, with everybody wanting the end in the corner. So, of course, you know, people are teaching us in all sorts of different spaces, and, um, and actually the space at the trauma center is quite small, and um, so they, you know, I think they have people who have been coming consistently for a long time, and there's not really a lot of choice, I think, about how it's set up. They do have two doors, and they close one right away, and they say, we're going to close this door when class starts. Um, at WISE, I, we also don't have a very big space, and um, I tried to just say, you know, come on in and let's set up however we want to set up tonight, and um, it ends up being pretty different every time. And um, we have people with varying degrees of ability, so um, almost always some, at least one person with, you know, some sort of chronic pain. And one person's been coming um, who has two knee replacements, so can't do anything on her knees, and um, but doesn't like being on a chair. So um, that sometimes poses a challenge in the yoga teacher's head. When I wanted to start working with the vets at the VA, there was yeah. no space. There was the drunk tank, which is padded and a drain in the middle, mm. and no windows. And, is it the VA here? Yeah. Because you know they have one. They have like a conference room. I, I was in there once doing a talk, and I was like, "You should use this for you." The inpatient unit? No. No. Okay. So this no. is on the inpatient oh, okay. unit. So of the VA. Yeah, they have. So there are places yeah. I can take anybody with me. On yeah. Okay. Unit. So I that's tricky. Uh, yeah. So I I worked with one the first person I worked with at the Vietnam vet who um, came up to me and said I heard you can help me like someone had told him that I was wanting to do yoga like, mm. and I'm like all right no mats but it's right. a padded room already <laughs> made sure it was clean they don't really use it to <laughs> but I just did gentle yoga with him using my training and um, he said that was the most relaxed he'd ever felt and then. The next day when I came back to my shift, he came right up to me and said, I slept through the night for the first time in a long time. So I said, can we do that again? So we did it like three times and he was going to be discharged. And and I said, you know, uh, he wanted things he could do at, at home. And, and I gave him some really simple things he could do at home before bed to help him sleep. And um, just legs up the wall type yeah. stuff. And just laying there with their legs up the wall. Um, um, but I said the best thing you can do is go find yoga in your community, find gentle yoga, yeah. find one you like. And then the feedback was, he's doing yoga once a week, and awesome. it works. I mean, you it just got to help them find it and then be the conduit mm -hmm. to help them connect to it. It's so amazing. There, when, um, we had a woman in our community coming in to teach uh, many, many years ago who was lovely. And... Um, a woman who was coming consistently, the first day she walked in, she saw people sitting on the floor and she just said, they're, like, are you kidding me? Uh -huh. And so, you know, the teacher was great and said, oh, we got chairs and that's, you know, no big deal. And then, you know, I hadn't gone for a few weeks and I come in and this woman comes walking in and she just sits down on the floor. And I said, what, what happened? 
And she said, oh, I just realized now that, you know, I think it's just the breathing, I guess. You know, she's just like, I'm not, you know, it was just, it, it, it was so incredible. And yeah, this person said, oh, I guess I can just start breathing more deeply and look at what happened to my body. Yeah. That made her feel like she could then sit on the floor? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so whatever, this, I don't, whatever it was. Um, but she felt as though physically she could not, and she couldn't get herself down or back up. Mm -hmm. And then just went to the chair. It's like would just be the thing that makes the difference for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matthew Sanford can do that. Right. <laughs> and did you ever get people in your class who, in spite of your language and mm -hmm. everything's okay who want you to tell them if they're doing it right or not is, you, that's um, a great question it is a great question i <coughs> um i don't think that <coughs> i mean because there are some things one of the things that i thought was interesting was how do you sort of cue you know there are things that might be safer than other things um and you mean safer? You know, physiologically? Yeah, yeah, like you yeah. know, you know, when I'm hypertwisty right. or that kind of thing. Um, and I don't think, you know, I, if things like that come up, it's like, oh, well, you, you know, you can try this too and see if that how that is, mm -hmm. and you can try this and see how that mm -hmm. is, and there's not really a right way or wrong way. So that's true. Yeah. I thought we were going to ask if we've had people come who have said this isn't for me, and we have had that. Oh, you have? Yes. And the trauma center does as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and I guess that's just part of the course. And uh, there's one woman in particular that I was like, this is so perfect. And I was so happy she was there. And she called and said that she just didn't think it was for her. And I thought, oh, if it's another, you know, another group like of people that felt more kind of in her age group, maybe, or something. Um, that's just part of what happens. They probably don't ask you, or am I doing it right? Because you've given it all to them. The that's what I, yeah. Like, whatever you and do you is just right. must really yeah. And we, before TCTSY, you know, we, I, I talk to everyone and say, this is what this is. Like, there's other kind of yoga, and, um, and which is great. And this is this kind of yoga, which is great. So, you know, you can see if this is the kind of yoga that you want to be doing. Um, okay. and you, or you want to do both, or three different kinds, or you know, um, so it's not exclusive, and mm -hmm. and so they know what it is. And in, in the first time we meet, as well, we specifically talk about like this is what this is, and it may be different. You know, you maybe you've done other kinds of yoga, and this is just different. So we have different sort of goals. Remember, there's at the beginning of the training, there was people that you know clearly had been involved in all kinds, like Bikram and all kinds of things. And going through these things, and then they're afterwards like looking, thinking, "Is that it? Like, yeah. wait, this is." By the end of it, though, you get it that that has to be all it is. It's yeah, I know. It's like, it's is this really yoga? Yeah. 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 Is this elective? Yeah. Okay. How are you selling it then? So um, we let people in the community know. And um, so interestingly, we changed 
because um, I was wondering what flyer you got, because we did change our yoga language, because we used to say, you know, that our yoga at Wise is um, a place to relax and be with yourself, or something like that, I don't know. Um, the flyer that was out just this week is the one I got. Yeah, That's gotta be the new I one. think it's, yeah. And so, we were like, uh, most of the yoga we're doing now is TCTSY, so it says something more like, a time to connect with yourself, you know, call an advocate if you want to know more. <laughs> but is everyone in the class experiencing trauma? Well, yeah, yes. So everyone, um, either someone that has come to WISE before or been referred to us. Um, we have had people um, who just call because they saw it somewhere and so we get to know them a little bit and again we're telling we're saying this is what this is and that's what i've been giving them to people saying like <laughs> clearly had sexual trauma 20 years ago or something suffering with depression anxiety and some nightmares and things still and suggesting that they just call and see yeah if they can go. yeah so it's just you know and then you know, if that sounds good then Great, and if it doesn't, if you know, and I have had, um, I I had one person call whose daughter had been sexually assaulted pretty recently, and um, they were looking for like a mother-daughter kind of fun yoga experience, and I was like, let me tell you what this is, and let me tell you, I don't know if you've been to other yoga classes. She said no. I said, let me describe some of the other yoga studios in the Upper Valley, and she said, I think we're looking for another yoga studio. And I was like, perfect, and um, we're going to be here and doing it, so if you ever want to check this out. But yeah, and I, I in my head, was agreeing with her, saying, this really isn't what they're looking for. Um, yeah, so assists are um, not done ever. Um, and in terms of the therapeutic goal, so um, at the beginning, I mentioned that TCTSY is actually now considered an adjunctive treatment for trauma, um, and so there are therapeutic goals. Um, so being in the present moment and um, practice making choices, and we're talking about present moment, it's been a little bit of an adjustment for me in terms of um, parsing out a little bit where the differences might be in terms of quote-unquote mindfulness and what being in the present moment really means. Um, and so I've become a little bit more attuned to the huge variation in how people talk about mindfulness um, because we want to stay out of the um, anything that's not present moment when we're doing TCTSY. And so if we're, for example, one thing that I would say if I was leading a meditation in some other practice, you know, and if your mind ever wanders off, you can just bring it right back. But as soon as I say that, I'm bringing into, you know, the possibility, the story of something else that might be out there. And so we're, we're just erasing that from the possibility of our language. Not that it's not going to happen, but, you know, my job is to be, you know, directing present moment experience only and not even, no you know, opening up that door. Um, because then, you know, people might go there. Um, so in terms of making choices, um, this, you know, this is a student says, you can't remind me enough that I have choices. So what we know is that 
Oh, we, it's saying PTSD here. I know we're focusing more on complex trauma, but that this lack of choice is at the very root of trauma. That you know, people feel like they do not have agency. They can't make choices for themselves. They have not been allowed to make choices for themselves. Um, and so we want to build that back in. How do we know what choice it is that we want to make for ourselves through interoception? And then how do I actually enact that? Um, or choose to not, but making a choice for myself. That it's not anything at all to do with you know, what the teacher wants me to do or, um, you know, or any other power in the world. I am making a choice, which is a very powerful thing if you know, we can make that a practice for all of us all the time. Um, and then present moment experience. So you know, Bessel van der Kolk here is saying this is really the goal of trauma treatment in general is to you know, not be in that bind of, oh my gosh, that's what happened before, and oh no, it might happen again, um, but instead being you know, where we are. And um, so TCTSY is very consciously trying to exercise that capacity to be in the present moment. Um, and, you know, the physiology can, can be a reminder or a reflection of past experience. So the way that I'm breathing is related to a past experience. So the more that we can keep people in the present physiologically, the more it can open up this possibility of physiologically being present. Um, is, uh, I know somebody else who's a... Um, <clears throat> trauma sensitive yoga teacher and at least at one point for her, I'm not sure if this is true for her still, all of her uh, participants have to be in uh, relationship with a mental health professional. Hmm. Is that true? So the, tr the trauma center um, sees us as an adjunctive treatment yes. and does encourage people <clears throat> to have some sort of other um, therapy support because of what I do um, and there are a couple of other teachers there's one other teacher who is um, teaching at the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center um, we've you know very specifically said I've said does it have to be or is that kind of your recommendation and and also their recommendation is that it not be the person who's teaching which has been tricky for some people because there aren't a lot of people that they are going to be in their communities, as an example. And they've said, you know, we can be flexible on that. That's good to know. Yes. Yeah. There's, a, I mean, I have so many patients who've been in counseling, yeah. mm -hmm. and they really haven't, by their own estimate, they haven't gotten a lot out of it. And I, I think that's been our um, take as well, and why we kind of were really pushing it. And um, I think the trauma center's concern is that things bubble up and then there's no place to put them. But I'm not, from what you're describing, I can't, it just sounds like of all the experiences these people might have in the day, this would be the least triggering. I so, I so and, agree. Um, you know, even if it did bring up a memory, I just can't see how this would likely as I say, of all their experiences, make them re-traumatize them somehow with their memories. Yeah. There could be 
floodgates. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but not like, you know, not a running from the room screaming. Although, I mean, it it could happen. But I think, you know, right, this can happen to anyone at any time. And so for us to say you can't do this because you've, you know, tried to engage with mental health care in another way and it didn't work for you, so now we're going to take away this opportunity didn't make sense for us at all either. Yeah, I, you know, they're seeing it specifically as an adjunctive treatment, and this is one of the places where, you know, the trauma center just does such an amazing job of um, being able to have one foot in this, you know, science research world and also really explore, you know, what is going to benefit folks, in particular people who have had such a hard time getting any sort of benefit from the you know classical kind of offerings in mental health care, um, and so on one hand you know it's like oh wouldn't it be great if you know everyone could just follow this path and also realizing like how unrealistic that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in the context of TCTSY, interoception is the present moment experience. So, um, you know, what we are feeling, what we are experiencing in the present moment is the present moment experience. Um, It's not, you know, again, making a little bit of a distinction maybe from some mindfulness practices where what's happening in your mind is also part of your present moment experience. And um, for TCTSY, it's like, we're really trying to pare that down to this sensory feedback experience. So, meaning that when we're present, that our physical reality and our neurophysiological reality are in sync, that kind of what's happening inside and where we are are one and the same, that we're feeling what we feel when we feel it. So um, another thing that is um, a little distinct from other yoga practices, certainly, um, and was kind of hard for me for a while, is because we're so want this to be present moment centered that we're not even saying, oh, if this makes you feel good, you know, then you should, you know, hold on to that one and you know use it when something's coming up for you in the future, um, because it's not about you know what is going to happen in the future it's only what's happening right now and um i thought this was very interesting to me in terms of speaking so hard it's yeah. so hard right because you just want um but you want it it, it <clears throat> to me um really resonates when i think of the power of unlocking um the belief that you can trust your own body. So when this woman way back with Angie's class 10 years ago came back the next week and said, oh my gosh, I got in my car and I realized I can breathe. I mean, she was showing me that in such a beautiful way that I didn't have to say, you know, you can go out and do this when you think you're going to have a panic attack and you're sitting behind the wheel of your car. She got behind the wheel of her car and thought, I'm going to have a panic attack, went to one very simple yoga class and her body said, wait a second, you can breathe. 
And so the power of knowing that in your own body and not having someone tell you and being able to really believe that um, and practicing that again and again and again um, is, has so much more power to it than us you know, saying, oh, well, you can try this, you can try that. It makes sense because you're not telling what to do through the whole time you're doing it. And then at the end, you're like, do this. Yes. <laughs> We should get a lot of credit for being here as nurses, always trying to fix things and plan, discharge planning, all like a different way of thinking. You've got to have an answer for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I always say that in terms of because, you know, we get called to Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center a lot, which is fantastic. And, um, and so I end up talking to different, you know, practices here on a regular basis. And that's one of the things I'm always saying, though, is that, you know, for one, just call us because you don't have time to do all the things that, you know, we have time to do. Um, but also that it is this very different relationship because in our work as advocates, we also can't fix it. And um, we can, you know talk about it and offer resources and brainstorm and be with them through whatever they're going through, but there's sort of no big fix. And it is a different kind of attitude, which is one of the things that makes TCTSY, I think, such a great um, kind of practice for our work. It's it's like the definition of holding space. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. In the moment. Um, yeah, so this to me is um, a big lesson and also it is so important in, for all of us, I think, in kind of really understanding that we are the experts in our own lives, like we really do know what's best, and, um, but we taking the time and you know, putting the energy into kind of remembering that and reminding ourselves of that and practicing you know, reminding ourselves is so important. So there's been research, yay! And all this stuff is on their website, so um, traumasensitiveyoga.com. And um, so there have been a number of studies. Jennifer that, West, that's the, I think, uh, right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go, yep. Um, and yeah, you'll see a bunch of the same names on a number of them. Um, this, some of them are more, um, quantitative and some are more qualitative. This was more qualitative. And as I said, I um, have been so impressed with the um, how much they trust the feedback that they're getting from their students and how much that has shaped the practice. So um, they did a group with survivors of domestic violence where this was more qualitative, I mean quantitative, and did I say whatever? Before I meant qualitative, this is quantitative, um, where they're actually, you know, started to look at they um, the diagnostic criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder and got some really good results on this, so using the CAP scale. Um, this one is a very interesting because they had a one-and-a-half-year follow-up that um, where they talked to people a year and a half out and had some really nice results in terms of kind of people feeling calmer and I think not meeting the criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder, I'm not sure. I can't read it. Um, and then, you know, again, more um, 
qualitative interviews. This is a really beautiful article. Um, and just talking about kind of feeling embodied and the benefits of the practice. And then um, in, I think it was in February, um, Trauma, Center of Trauma Sensitive Yoga became listed on SAMHSA. And so it became sort of official as a um, treatment for trauma. And um, we'll see what kind of happens next in terms of what that means for the practice. And this is a quote from one of the students that they had at the trauma center. The constant reminders to go at your own pace and to listen to your body for what it needs and when it's ready to turn or how far it wants to turn, um, that was super helpful and has extended in so many other places in my life. Yoga classes I've taken other places, I've heard people say, you can push yourself. You don't realize what your body can do, just push it. I feel like that's the kind of thing I've been doing my whole life. What is so valuable about this yoga class is that it was not about pushing yourself, it was about having yourself get there <coughs> in the time. Kind of what yoga is all about in general. And um, so, well, we know that helplessness and isolation are at the core of um, psychological um, trauma, empowerment, and reconnection are the core experiences of recovery, and that's really what TCTSY is trying to do, and some of the other activities that we do at WISE, including, I think Betsy's probably in that picture on stage there, eh? Was that the last one? Yeah. So we do a little um, theater speak-out piece that Betsy's read other survivors' pieces at. Um, so we're looking at other ways to bring people together to connect around these issues, and uh, that's one of the ways that we've been doing that. So that is all. Do we have questions or other things to discuss? Um, I have a question, and you might be able to weigh in on this. Um, <clears throat> So I have the flyer that you made for the February class. Uh -huh. So I don't know if you have a more recent one uh, than that, or what I can tell my patients to expect for how often they're happening. Um, but I'm also interested in for men. And so yeah, the flyer that I have is only about women, and I don't know if you've gotten groups going for men. Mm -hmm. My understanding is the VA does some work with this, or for men? But There's yoga happening outpatient. There is. Yeah. Well, Somewhere. Have to be vets, right? Yeah. Okay. 